You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 3800 Marlton Pike, Pensacon, New Jersey. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. We've been working with these litanies like the one that Scott just led us in uh, because they help draw us into this distinction uh, between conventional wisdom and the wisdom of Jesus, the wisdom of the cross. That's 1 Corinthians 1 through 3 has this long kind of distinction about what is wisdom. And, and there's a real challenge in there. At the heart of the gospel, that's the good news that Jesus brought, there is this challenge to the status quo. Whatever assumptions that we have about the way things must be, Jesus challenges those assumptions. Jesus takes captive every thought and turns it inside out. He, he turns us inside out, if we'll let him. And we need our insides on the outside. We really, we really do, because there are all these assumptions that are shooting us and musting us and, and, and basically just pushing us around. And because they're so on the inside that we don't see them. Conventional wisdom is, is not some well-thought-out set of beliefs that everyone shares. Conventional wisdom is a big mess of, of good and bad ideas interacting uh, with our assumptions about ourselves and how the world works and, and just pushing us around. And, and their power. Conventional wisdom, the, the power of these thoughts is that, that they're, they're on the inside and we don't have to look at them. They're on the inside and they can, they can dwell in the darkness and get powerful. These thoughts are, are most powerful when we do not shine light on them. When, when we don't see them, when we allow conventional wisdom to, to be our autopilot, these thoughts are at their peak power. So that's why everyone is entitled to their opinion is something Jesus never said. <laughs> no one thinks that Jesus actually said this one. Some of the things that we've been working with kind of sound Jesus-y. This one I don't think anyone thinks is in the Bible, but it has Bible level power. Everyone is entitled to your opinion is one of the most sacred things a person could utter, but only in that kind of uh, not sacred holiness of conventional wisdom, the kind that kind of falls apart uh, if you actually look at it, but it certainly drives us around, certainly is pushing us around. Um, it sounds like someone, some holy man must have said it, uh, because we certainly follow whoever said that like they're our Lord. Maybe. And if we shine a light on these things, they're not going to run us around. And if we don't challenge our thinking directly, we'll think it. <laughs> not because we want to, but just because that's the, the way things are going. You know? The way things are going are the, are the things that, that might be the most powerful. That's one of the reasons we, we create an alternative community is because we actually need an environment in which things are going a different direction. Because here's the thing. You're not that good at having thoughts. Yo, Alex is in the house. Yo, come on, bring it in. Bring it in. How you doing, man? Good to see you, man. You as well. We, we, we're not very good at making decisions. 
We don't actually make that many decisions, though decision-making is one of the most important things we do. We don't actually do it that often. We kind of get pushed along in the way things are going. So we're creating an alternative community following after Jesus that is uh, pretty counter to the ways of the world. So like this thing, like I said, if you look at it, it falls apart. No one's going to fight me that everyone's entitled to their opinion. You know, logically, it kind of falls apart. But we feel it. We feel this. This thought is very powerful. I, I, I led this Bible study uh, this week. I lead a Bible study at, with InterVarsity at Rowan College of South Jersey down in Sewell. Um, Sewell sounds far, but it's not. It's like 15 minutes down 55, okay? Right, Jess? You know where that is. There, there she is, right? Not that far. Um, and uh, we were reading about when Jesus fed the 5,000 with just two lo- five loaves and two fishes in John 6. And I asked the group, what do you think of this incredible miracle? Um, do, do you believe that Jesus actually did this? And one young man answered, well, there are a lot of ways to look at it. There has been so much time and so many revisions uh, and interpretations of the Bible. People have said so much about Jesus, it's hard to tell what is true. Some people believe it and other people don't. And he said that like it was his definitive answer. That's a definitive answer about what, what he believes about this. Um, the, the sheer magnitude of conversation about the last 2,000 years makes it impossible to decide anything about anything. And essentially, there are a lot of opinions about this event, and I can't decide. That's essentially what he was saying. And he was saying that with conviction. It's an interesting, it's an interesting place to be. I, I, I feel with him. It's kind of like everyone's entitled to their opinion. Or everyone ought to have one. No, one. no one knows how to make a conclusion. Does that resonate with you? I think the information explosion that we live in leaves us all feeling a little overwhelmed. Does that, I think that, I think that might be the truth. And for some of us, maybe a lot overwhelmed. Conclusions invite scrutiny. And believing anything means that you might be wrong. And being wrong is really bad in our culture for whatever reason. Getting it wrong. You never want to do that. Don't do that. Someone's going to get you. They might, they might, they might even cancel you. And yet, we really admire people who have strong convictions. We really admire people who, who feel something and, and tell us what they think. That tension, oh man, it's ripping us apart. We, we want it and we don't want it. We, we, we think it might be possible for that guy, usually a guy, unfortunately, um, but not for us. We're attracted to leaders who don't change their minds. Who have, it, who have it all figured out, who can tell us the answers. I think this is why so many people are sticking by Donald Trump these days. He, he, he's taken everyone is entitled to their opinion to a whole new level. He shoots from the hip in, in every sense of the word. He, he, he tells it like it is. At least how he sees it. <laughs> Did, did you see the, uh, the Washington Post that is counting his lies and misleading statements? That, that, that they're up to uh, 13,435 
he gets he gets some ideas and he just keeps saying them. That's how the number gets so high because he he's trying to convince us of something. He just says the same thing over and over again, even though um, according to the Washington Post, it's been disproven. You can go check it out. It's on it's on Fact Checker database. It a- analyzes and categorizes uh, and tracks every suspect statement he has he has he has made. Just just I, I went in and investigated it a little bit. It's like they have like this truthometer, you know. It's fraught, you know. It's 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 problematic, you know. But he's definitely inventing truth and trying to get us to believe it. Um, he, he, he dismisses the Washington Post, no matter how much uh, facticity is actually there, as another fake news outlet. And he's deciding what news is real. And, and I think President Trump is, is making the whole country even more isolated in that overwhelming feeling of all this information. We, not, o- not only do we have to figure everything out, but we have to figure out who can figure something out. And, and we, can't, we can't really trust anyone. And Donald, Donald Trump didn't start this erosion uh, of trust in institutions and organizations, but he, I think he's kind of like uh, the, the crescendo <laughs> of it. And he really just lives there. He, he, he's, he's a natural-born creature of this relativity. And it's, I don't know, disastrous in many ways. So what did Jesus actually say? This is such a mess. I think we really need to cling to the words of Jesus because if you're like me, you might be feeling pretty disempowered in the, in the face of, of such truthlessness. How can we believe anything? How can we trust anyone? Jesus helps us. And he's been praying about this since the beginning. In John 17, just before Jesus is arrested and sent to be killed by another politician who isn't too sure about the truth, Pontius Pilate, he prayed for us this prayer. Will someone read out loud John 17, 20 through 26? My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known, in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself might be in them. What did Jesus actually say? He said that our opinions must be subservient to love. Jesus' main hope for us is that we may be one as he and the Father are one. And when we do that, Jesus lives in us. God's love lives in us. God's glory is in us through Jesus who showed us his full glory on the cross. Everyone is not entitled to their opinion. We are entitled to the glory of God. 
We act in the glory when we love one another. We participate in the life of Jesus, who is himself the truth, when we love one another. It's a totally different orientation. It's not about getting it, getting it right. It's about being connected with truth, who is a person. It doesn't fit into Donald Trump's conversation. It doesn't fit into most of ours most of the time. We really need this deep reorientation to Jesus, who himself is in the is the truth. And when we love each other, we act that out. We figure it out by being in relationship with each other. And this, this is a direct challenge to the conventional wisdom about your opinion. Because what if your opinion doesn't matter that much? Or maybe what if your opinion shouldn't matter as much as it does? My opinion matters to me a lot. <laughs> I full, you know, I, I don't know how this figured out. Um, I have a lot of opinions. Opinions might be my favorite thing. I, I grew up around a dinner table with very uh, 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 intellectual brothers who were well-read and very opinionated like me. And, and so having big discussions about how to solve all the problems in the world is kind of like my love language. So if you, want, if, you, if you want to love me, like, let's debate about something that cannot be concluded. <laughs> you know, that, that's, how, that's how I work. Um, being correct about anything, though, is not as important as being connected to other members of the body. I, I got to figure that out. Uh, this does not mean we don't have opinions. Remember, I love opinions. It means that it's better to hold your opinions loosely than to commit strongly to your own thoughts and instincts uh, without a conversation, without being in this dialogue of love. What do we gain by being right? If you can answer that question, tell me afterwards. What do we gain by being right? What do we gain other than division and isolation so often? Don't we exist as an alternative to that? If we're arguing about something, like I, like I want to argue with you, and, and I get too like, hot about it, and I sound like I really know what I'm talking about, remind me that I said this. Um, our main goal is agreement, not me being right. And I've had many conversations in which there are disagreements. Note the passive voice. I've had many conversations in which there are disagreements because I want to take a wide circle around actively, actively disagreeing with any of you. I don't want to disagree with you. I don't want to disagree with anyone in the body of Christ because I'm trying to live into this conviction to agree to agree. In Circle of Hope, at least, can we agree to agree? It's a big problem, um, but I, I want to keep moving towards it. Agree to disagree. You know, that's another way of saying, I think, uh, everyone is entitled to their opinion. Uh, because it's, we're just dismissing people. You know, we're not going to make a connection. We're never going to figure this out. Love won't bring us together. We're going to be on different sides of the line. I like this picture uh, from Northern Ireland of the, the, the two different sides reaching out to each other. This has real-world implications. If we can do this in this body, maybe we can do it all over the world. Yes, I can love you. I can love you even as we're disagreeing. But disagreeing is not who we are. 
we agree that's who we are because Jesus is in us and we know God's love and God's love is bringing us to complete unity. But one issue, I th- one big issue is that they've been selling us our false selves for so long that we might believe that our opinions are who we are. We, we, and we need to name this worldly wisdom that combats, combats with this conviction that we have with Jesus. As, as far as I can tell, one of the most clever tricks that people who sell stuff ever did is convincing us that our opinions are who we are. They have successfully turned niche markets into identities. You know, niche comes from Latin for nest. It's like from where you're born. This is who you are. <laughs> I don't think that's what they were saying when they, when they, when they created this, this term, but I, but I think that's something that Jeff Bezos has probably dreamed of, that someone could be born and never have to shop for anything, just live in a completely seamless environment all on Amazon. <laughs> always, always given exactly what we want, including our opinions. They turn uh, the, the infotainment... Of, of of cable news and 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 selling of you know even Washington Post online and stuff like that has become this kind of space for us to get our pleasure centers lit up. Ooh, I agree. I like that feeling. I like it when they say the thing that's familiar to me. I like it when when they make me feel comfortable with the way things are as I see them. So now and there's so much that everyone can just have that reinforced and they can have their little nest that makes them feel good, and we're all separated because we buy different things. In the great smartphone war of the 2020s, which our children's children will be reading on whichever device wins that war, what tribe decided the future? Was it the androids or or the apples? We, we've been taught that, that, that what we want, what we believe uh, is who we are. I'm an Android person. Are you an Apple person? Oh, good. We feel strongly about this. <laughs> but we want to be born into the nest of God's glory <laughs> made manifest in a group of people who love one another above all else. That's what we're going for. And if that sounds foolish, I think it kind of is, just like we were praying. But I need something foolish to counter uh, the the wisdom of the world. The world is teaching me me that I must succeed in all I do. The world is teaching me that uh, I must make the right decision, and if I don't, something terrible is definitely going to happen. The future of humanity is riding on my consumer choice. It's incredibly demanding. I must buy the right thoughts and subscribe to the right opinions. I must follow someone who knows what they're talking about. Either we think we have the power to get everything right and deserve it to be that way, or we think we have to get it right or something terrible will happen or we'll be severely punished by the way things are. We have to act right and get it right all the time or it's all going down. I think I'll disagree with that. Okay, I'll disagree with that. But for, as for us, how can we agree to agree? How can we keep agreeing? How can we have that uh, above all else? This, I believe, 
Jesus will bind everything together in perfect harmony eventually. And we have forever to, to figure this out. And this allows me to creatively disagree with you for a really long time, but not forever, because Jesus is coming back and he's going to set things straight and everyone's going to have something wrong. And that's okay. To t- he, we're not in charge of the, of the completion of history. We're not in charge about whether things will be okay in the end. We can, we can make decisions about making things better now. But we're going to be, if, if we can just accept that Jesus is in charge and, and, and all of us will have something wrong when we see him face to face, maybe we'll have some creativity to actually work together and agree to agree and move together towards something that's much better than everyone is entitled to their opinion. We'll need real love to be real, active, vital. We'll need love to, to live among us and convict us all the time to forgive regularly and push us in new directions. See what Jesus says here? I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known to them. That's what we're banking on. This is not a matter of getting it right or even getting it right about whether we're going to disagree. It's about actually getting Jesus into our conversation and getting love at the first step. Because the world is telling us something else. And when we actually say what they say, like out loud, it doesn't ring as true. So that's what we've been doing. We're naming it for what it is and trying to turn towards the things that Jesus actually said. We are people who agree. Our true selves in Christ are made for unity. And Jesus is actively working to make us into that. And so we like maybe like this, this sculpture, are, are reaching out. We're, we're scouts for reconciliation together. That's who we are. We're ministers of re- reconciliation, and, and we'll need love to cast out all of our automatic fears in order to live in the love that Jesus is giving us, in order to receive Jesus' love every day and trust Jesus to make something better than we think is possible. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.